Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast explores the center and fringe of art scenes around the world. Today we take you to Nashville, known as Music City, USA. This place aims to become the nation's startup capital, too. Every year since 2012, Launch Tennessee hosts the 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival. 36 and 86 are the city's coordinates, Nashville's global position, two days of fast-paced programs designed for investors, entrepreneurs, and community leaders revolve around startup and funding models, technology and accessibility, branding and marketing, and live pitch competitions. In 2019, festival organizers invited Fresh Art International to curate a presentation around building the creative economy. The setting for our panel is Acme Feed and Seed on South Broadway. J.R. Whitemore constructed the three-story building in 1890. Through the years, the structure has housed entrepreneurial endeavors, a grocery store, the manufacture of soft drinks, baking powder, flour, and buggies, a storage company, a drugstore, and a farm supply depot. These days, Acme Feed and Seed is where locals and visitors gather for Nashville-style music, food, and libations. What do we bring to the stage? A conversation about creativity and entrepreneurship, fueled by the same risk-taking and innovation that drive all startups. Joining us are Emily Best, Los Angeles-based filmmaker and film producer, Nashvillian Harry Allen, boutique banker, and Andrea Zier, director of Tennessee's Near Future Contemporary Art Triennial. Together, we consider the value of cultural entrepreneurship. How do healthy creative economies open the door for artists and innovators why is the creative community essential to growth? Everyone on this stage engages with creators to cultivate their projects, their ventures. And we're here to share our principles, our relationship with technology and community, and our business models for the greatest cultural impact. So we're really happy to have you here to take part in this conversation. I am the founder and artistic director of Fresh Art International. I'm based in Miami. I work internationally. I'm a curator, writer, educator, and podcaster for the past eight years. My podcast tells stories through the lens of film, art, and architecture. And my interest is, as you can see, my tagline giving voice to creatives at the center and fringe of art scenes around the world. So I travel a lot across the U.S. 
in South America, in Europe, and Africa. And we see that your tagline is Empowering Creators. Tell us about you. That's right. So, um, Harry Allen, I'm the co-founder and chief relationship officer of Studio Bank. Studio is the first new bank in Nashville, first new bank to start in 10 years. And our purpose as a financial institution is to empower creators. And we define creators very broadly. It's not just creatives, but what we feel makes humans uniquely different from other animals is this ability to dream of something and this urge to go make it happen. Um, but that creation, that bringing something from vision to reality oftentimes requires capital and resources, and that's the role that a bank can play um, in empowering creators. Thank you. Emily Best. Our tagline at Stephen Spark is connecting people through stories that matter, and I think the best way to think about us is as an entertainment studio that is built not just to get the most diverse, inclusive work made, but for it to get seen in ways that optimize for its social impact. We don't describe what that social impact needs to be, but the business has three parts. We have a national education program. We reach five to 10,000 creators a year through 120 to 150 workshops. I'm tired just talking about it. We teach creators the tools for building sustainable careers, funding, pitching, distribution. The second part of the business is a crowdfunding platform for creatives. We actually have the highest campaign success rate and project size in the world by about two and a half times. And as of uh, a day or two ago, our creators had raised a little over $22 million for about 1,700 projects. And the third part of the business is a streaming platform and an education program for corporations. So we are distributing the content that's made on our platform as a part of diversity and inclusion education for corporations, using the workplace as a vector for connecting people, building empathy, building bridges, getting people to see each other differently, see themselves, etc. So we connect people through stories that matter. Beautiful. Andrea's near. I'm an arts entrepreneur, a visual arts entrepreneur, who's worked on the for-profit and non-profit side. Over 15 years, my husband and I ran a well-known gallery, art gallery in New York City, specializing in emerging artists. I was also the president of a trade organization called NADA, the New Art Dealers Alliance, which established um, the most well-known emerging artist fairs in Miami and other cities. In addition, my brother and I started an uh, art software company for art galleries and artists when we saw a need there really for a better product. After 20 years in New York, I was really ready to come back to Nashville where I have deep family roots. And we started exploring this idea in 2011 when my husband and I started doing a series of pop-up galleries and artist workshops and we really saw a need to increase an identity for Nashville as a visual arts reputation from within and without. So I was very excited um, when uh, Carrie and Brian Job, who are the co-founders of TriStar Arts, invited me to be the director of the first Tennessee Triennial for Contemporary Art. Those in the art world are familiar with the concepts of triennials and biennials, which are major art events that happen in multiple venues every two or three years. So they're more common internationally in places like Athens, Istanbul, Beijing. In the United States, there are fewer, but um, in the past 10 years, we've seen very successful examples start in New Orleans and Cleveland. 
And though they happen every three years, in between those three years, they strengthen the arts economy and create a long-lasting reputation. So we feel like there's great visual arts going on in Nashville and across the state that maybe is being overlooked, especially with our exceptional music reputation, but we feel like it's really a pillar of our arts and creative economy that deserves more attention. And this is a perfect moment with the growth and the types of people we're bringing to Nashville and Tennessee who want to see that element to our economy. Harry Allen is known for his leadership and finance as well as his engagement with community. In its first year, Studio Bank supported local creatives through programs and partnerships with the Arts and Business Council and Locate so for us, Arts. It started with thinking about what is the role of a banker and the role of a bank as a nexus point within a community that's devoting capital to entrepreneurs and resources. I mean, it was this, this purpose, this honorable activity of empowering people who create things that drove us to the word studio. Studio is a context for where creativity and collaboration happens. When you as a bank brand, which banks are not known for very creative branding, but when you say that you're, you're in the business of empowering creators, that starts to inform everything about how you do your business. I don't know if anyone in here, there's a few studio bank members in the audience who've seen our space, but it does not look like a typical bank. If you want to foster collaboration and creativity, you have to break down the walls. You have to get rid of the mahogany desks and marble columns. So there is local art that was curated by an art studio, Studio 208, here in town, where every piece of art is local Nashvilleans. Um, there's music that's played a little bit louder, and our bankers curate the playlist each day in our branches. But more than that, it's about hiring bankers who are natural connectors, engage in a conversation, and be more than um, folks providing a service, but in true partnership. We hired a banker who came out of the VC and private equity and crowdfunding space that I don't think any other bank would have taken that risk. But we knew that we wanted to partner with folks from startup all the way to scale, and someone from that sector can have a very different conversation than a traditional banker. In our music and entertainment space, we have a banker that served that industry for 30 years, played the Grand Ole Opry at 16, has been a songwriter with Kirk Records. He has lived and breathed the experience that he's counseling his clients on, and so he can collaborate in a way that's much, much stronger. If you're going to create Nashville's bank, it needs to be reflective of the community. I'm a fifth-generation native Nashvillean. I understand what collaboration and creativity has meant to this city. So we wanted to create that bank for this city. I want one in every city. Well, let's, let's talk about Is there somebody here who can almost do that? Because that sounds really good. The first day I arrived this week, I went to spend some time with Harry at the bank, and it's, it's an exceptional environment. And I work a lot with sound, I have to say, and when I record, I don't want HVAC sounds. And I told him, I said, you've got a really loud HVAC, can we turn it off? And he says, that's white noise. Because it's very open floor plan with art everywhere, they still want to maintain the privacy of conversations with those clients that they want to. So I, I found that really interesting for my personal experience with him was with his sound art. <laughs> Working for decades in the art market, Andrea Zier became a champion of collecting. 
encouraging everyone to invest in art. She's applying this know-how to cultivate partners and collaborators for the triennial. I hear the time from corporations, companies, small businesses who have the arts part of their environment. Sometimes you'll see large firms that have exceptional art collections, and especially when they let their employees choose the art that's going to be in their office, the employees feel ownership over their space. And when the art has a connection to them, a lot of collections have thematic or are related to the local where they're from. The power of visual art cannot be underestimated. It's not always quantifiable. It's kind of sometimes mysterious how it affects us. So really trying to create that sense that it, it is who you are. And then support our arts economy in different ways you can. One of my favorite art collectors, she's from a huge New York real estate family. She owns so much art. But she just says it lately. She said, it is rich people's responsibility to buy art. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Also, let's not make being a collector dirty work. I mean, I've seen collectors who have sizable collections, and they say, well, I wouldn't call myself a collector. Like, it's some latest thing. Like, buy one work of art in your collector. You know, I want to challenge all of you. Spend as much money on a piece of artwork as you do your television and see how you feel about yourself. One day at our art gallery, uh, an artist walked in. She saw a painting. It was a new artist we were showing. It was a $4,800 painting. And she said, I feel like the whole world is in this painting. I want my children to grow up around this painting. We gave her a 24-month payment plan at $200 a month. Unfortunately, the next month she came back and said, oh, I just can't do it. That $4,800 painting is now worth over $100,000. It's not why we buy art for investment. I tell people, I'll give them all the reasons this art could be an invest, good investment. Do not buy it for that reason. But sometimes it does. And so sometimes it has that fringe benefit of being an investment. And sometimes it's fun to talk about that again to get people engaged in it. But at the end of the day, it's going to impact you. It's going to impact your walls. So yeah, I think a, a big principle is, is just strengthening the economy as a whole. And also encouraging artists and art galleries and art businesses to act like businesses to attend conferences like this, to think about best business practices, even if they come from more of an artistic background. Two quick stories. One is the chief marketing officer of MailChimp, which is an Atlanta-based company, curates a show every month. He has a sort of an open plan office that's just like glass windows and you can see the walls of his office of employee arts and it's themed differently. So employees stop feeling like these are hobbies and start to feel like their arts are as much a part of their professional profile as everything else. And that's an amazing way to have your team show up to work as their whole selves. Not that I have my art's creative self and I have my professional self, because as a business owner, you would be missing out on a whole part of your employee's contribution. And the other thing is like, I, I bought art because a friend of mine had an art gallery in New York that was going out of business. And there was one of those paintings that was like, the whole world is in this painting, I have to have it. I put it on a credit card and created my own $200 plan that took me a while to pay off. But my friends will all tell you that no matter where I live, it feels like home to them because of the art on the walls. It's been such a huge gift. It's like, I can feel at home wherever I move to, no matter how often I move, and it's been a few times because of the art on the walls. That's part of my goal. Uh, one of the points of Andrea's with the podcast is to make art accessible through the ears to the cognoscenti and the curious to remove those barriers and that's why I do all the field work I do and I think the experiential quality of 
the triennial, what it will bring to the state is so critical to more support for the creative economy. Founder and CEO of Seed and Spark, Emily Best has built an entertainment platform to increase diversity and inclusion for filmmakers and audiences. Best is committed to forging a culture-driven environment that values both business and creativity. Our core principles are actually on our website. So if you go to the About Us section, it is not pictures of us. It is our core principles of the company around transparency, creative energy, community. I would say that from a creative economy perspective, the things that are important to me is that independent artists do not feel alone and that independent art is not, and I'm talking about creative arts broadly, like we work primarily with filmmakers, but independent artists do not feel like their life is consigned to trying to make the best thing they can and then wait to get picked. Because that's what most artists are told. It's like, go work on your craft. Don't learn any, don't bother your, your creative brain with the business things. And then just wait and someone will come pick you. And then they live these incredibly frustrated lives because that person ain't coming. Like, if you build it, they won't come. Thank you very much, Kevin Costner. For us, the principle of creative energy is about always having solutions to offer creators to build an independent, sustainable career where they feel extremely rooted in their community. And that means their community of artists, but also the entire community of support they have. And that they always have a next step they can control, right? That they aren't just forever hitting a ceiling that they can't get past, right? So we're really about giving them ways to hurdle all the obstacles that they can along the way. And I think fundamentally, when you talk about creative sustainability, I had a really interesting conversation with the Tennessee Film Office this morning. There was a point in the conversation where Corey said to me, you know, one of the challenges that our creative community is facing is the rising cost of housing. Do you ever do anything around the rising cost of housing? And I was like, well, that's another really big problem and I don't work in real estate and I try to stay inside my zone of genius. But I will say what we're trying to do is make sure that the creators aren't just making a city valuable and then getting pushed out by the people who can afford to buy the art, right? You need to have a city where people who can afford to buy the art and people who make the art can coexist, hopefully in the same spaces. What I wanna do is help those creators build sustainable enough businesses to afford to live wherever they are, right? And hopefully to be invested enough in their communities that the equity that they are building, they are also benefiting from. And so that I think is really what what drives me the most in technology is what makes this possible to do from anywhere. Because as a filmmaker, you do not need to be in New York or L.A. anymore. This is the Fresh Art International Podcast. I'm Kathy Bird. Harry Allen, Emily Best, and Andrea Zier offer perspectives on how to build our creative economy. As entrepreneurs, they aim for meaningful community impact optimizing technology, forging relationships, and dedicating their personal energy to creating opportunities for creators and facilitate greater access to cultural experiences. Visit our website to learn more and hear other conversations from the world of art, film, technology, and community. Please take a few minutes to review Fresh Art International on Apple Podcasts. 
and follow us on Instagram at FreshArtINTL. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, and listeners like you make this project possible on freshartinternational.com. Sign up to receive our latest news and give a donation to support these stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.